Well, my name is Grant Eiley, and I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. I want to share this morning on something that is very serious to me and very important, both because both I've experienced some of the benefits in my own life and because I know a lot of people right now who are hurting, whether it's physically and or emotionally. So I want to look at a passage this morning. It's only two verses. But what's really cool about these two verses is that within these two verses, our loving Heavenly Father, He tells His kids, I wouldn't say everything you need to know about life, but it's a good, good picture of how to handle life. So I want to look at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Let's look at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's cool about this short passage is it tells us four very important things about how to handle life. And if you notice, it says in verse 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything. So it's all-inclusive. It's covering your day-to-day life and everything you experience. And then look at the next line, but in everything. So he tells, God is telling his children right here what never to do, what his heart is that we never do, and then what his heart is that we do all the time. And then he goes on, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then this is the reward. Verse 7 is the reward. And the peace of God, so it's a peace that only God gives. It's not a peace from the world, which surpasses all understanding. It means it's, it's so amazing because it's from God that we can't even comprehend it with our mind. Um, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I I want to look at four things this morning and then give you some stories and illustrations for how to practice this in your own life that I've learned over the years. So the first thing we see is we see that Paul tells Christians, because he's writing to the church in Philippi, the brothers and sisters, the Christians in Philippi, the first thing we see is he says how not to handle life. So his first point is he wants to show us how not to handle life. And I think that the reason he says do not be anxious about anything is because that's our natural human tendency. So the first thing Paul does is he says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about these different things that you're going to face. And the second thing he does is he tells us what to do. So he tells us what not to do, how not to handle life in our day-to-day stresses and even bigger things, tells us what not to do. And secondly, he tells us what to do, so we know what God wants us to do. And he says, but in everything by prayer. So he says, handle everything with prayer. And the third thing he says is that our prayer should include thanksgiving. Our prayer should include thanksgiving. It's not complete if we don't have thanksgiving in our prayer. 
And the last thing he says is he says the reward. And what's so cool, so verse 7 he says, this is what will happen. He says, this will be the result if you follow, if you follow God's will of not being anxious about anything that you encounter, but handling it with prayer. Here's the reward. And what's really cool is you will notice as you read the Bible that God rarely ever says anything in the Bible, like Old Testament or New Testament. He rarely ever commands us to do something without also telling us what the reward will be. So it's like he's talking to his kids and he's saying, if you do this, this is my will. I want you to do this. And if you do this, this is what you get. This is what you get. So as you read the Bible, pay attention to that. God almost always gives him, gives an incentive when he says, when he tells us what to do. Um, Jesus says, he says, take up your cross and come follow me. Um, but he says, if you sacrifice your life, you will gain it back. So just go, go throughout the New Testament when you read and look at Every time God tells us to do something, he will normally tell us what the reward will be. So first I want to um, talk about do not be anxious. I want to point out two things that I think can be helpful, helpful in understanding it. Because he says that he'll give us peace. Don't be anxious about anything. But if we handle it with prayer and thanksgiving, that, the, that God will give us his peace, the peace of God. It's a peace that comes from God. Um, so the first thing about anxiety and worry and the peace that God will give us to counteract that is the peace that God gives, the peace that God gives, that will give us, is not a peace of escape. It's not the peace that comes from escaping. So if you pray to God and you say, God, like, I'm going through this really hard thing right now. Um, please help me. Sometimes he will, he will deliver you out of the circumstances. Often he will change circumstances. A lot of times he'll do it, but it's not in our time frame because he has good purposes he's trying to work in our heart. But sometimes he won't remove those things. So he doesn't, verse 7 doesn't promise that if we're not anxious and we handle things with prayer and thanksgiving, verse 7 doesn't promise that God is going to give us escape every time. John the Baptist, Jesus said there was no other man like him born among women, and he was beheaded for following God's call on his life. But then John the apostle lived to around 90 years old, the disciple of Jesus. So we just don't know always what God has for us. But the thing God does promise, he doesn't promise the peace of escape, but he does promise the peace of presence the peace of presence. So as you read the Bible, pay attention to that theme, how much God promises us the peace of his presence. So you guys probably know Psalm 23, verse 4. And I think David wrote it when he was an older man. He'd like been running from his life from Saul. He'd had the Philistines surround him. He went through, a, he had his son um, Absalom trying to kill him. He went through some like really bad stuff. He lost his newborn son, um, and he, he had this practice of prayer, but God, God did not deliver him from pain necessarily, but God did give him the peace of presence. And he writes about his life when he's old in Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, verse 4, he writes about the peace of presence. It's not the peace of escape that God necessarily gives but it's the peace of presence. So Psalm 23, 4, David says, even though, 
even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil because you're with me. You're with me. God would go through it with him. And he looked back as an old man and he said, yeah, God was with me every time. And that was, David was a shepherd before he became a soldier and a king. And I was reading that the valley of deep darkness was the actual place. There were, it was like a valley you had to go through and there were really high walls on each side. And the sheep were afraid to walk through it. They had to go through it to get up to higher pasture. But they were afraid to walk through it because the walls were so high on the side, the valley, that it blocked out the sun. The sun didn't make it down. And so they thought they were just walking into a tunnel that was like a cave or endless blackness. They did not know, the sheep did not know that on the other side there was something good. And the only way that they would go through the valley of deep darkness is if the shepherd went in front of them and led them. And so that's the picture that, that David uses, is even though we go through those times in life where the sun is blocked out and we seem to be walled in on our left and right and all we see is darkness in front of us because it might be a while before we get out of the light that God is with us and he will bring us through in his timing. So the first thing I want you guys to know about um, being anxious is God's a realist. Like He's not saying you won't have any, any trouble. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So it's the peace of presence that God offers his children. I think that's wonderful because we all, we all, whatever, however old we are, however young, like male, female, no matter what we do, we're all going to encounter our fair share of troubles and anxieties in life. It's inescapable. It's part of being human. But God does promise that if you follow him, if you follow the good shepherd, that he will give you that peace of promise. So I think that's like one of the best things about being a Christian. We have heaven to look forward to, sure, but we have a lot of trials and tribulations to go through in this life. But God says, even though you walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will be with you. So that's what he promises his children. And the second thing I want to point out about um, anxiety is that I don't think that Paul is saying here that it's a sin to experience the emotion of anxiety initially. I don't think he's saying it's wrong if you feel anxiety for a minute or if anxiety starts coming over you. It says even Jesus was tempted. Uh, Hebrews 4 says Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. He didn't give in to it. And so I think what Paul is saying here is when you start experiencing anxiety, don't let anxiety just bring you down the path where your worries keep snowballing and they get worse and worse and you get fretful and take your eyes off the shepherd and just start looking at your circumstances. And the reason I think that is because Paul actually talks about himself being anxious at times. In 2 Corinthians 11:28, he talks about all these things he went through. He went through beatings and shipwrecks and being half-starved and in danger for his life. 
And he said, and besides all these external things, I also have the anxiety for the churches on my heart. And it's the same Greek word. It's the same root as being anxious here. So Paul says he actually has experienced and does experience anxiety for the churches because he loved the Christians and he would get anxious for them. But what I think he is saying here is that when you experience anxiety, then you start praying. And he starts Philippians with a prayer for the Philippian church. And he gives thanks. He said, I give thanks to God for you always in every remembrance of you. And then he jumps into a prayer for them. So he's setting an example. He's saying like, I have anxieties too, but the way I want you to handle them is like this. Just like if our kids, if our kids um, live with us, they're going to see different things of life. They're going to see your everyday life. So they're going to see their mom and dad disagree. That's just part of being married and being a man and woman. You're going to disagree. But you can show your kids then how to disagree in a Christ-like way. So I think that's what Paul is talking about here, that we are going to experience anxieties in life, but the way that he wants us to handle them, the way God wants us to handle them, is to channel them into prayer. Don't let your anxieties take you away, but intentionally say, okay, God, this is burdening me. This is burdening me. I have to intentionally set my mind to pray because prayer doesn't come naturally. I think anxiety comes naturally or if we are emotionally strong or think we are, a lot of times we just try to be self-sufficient. Okay, this is, this is a little stressful. This is going to be tough this week, but I think what I need to do is just get a little less sleep, like plan more, drink some more coffee, and just like work harder. <laughs> so anxiety, sometimes it can be um, not always, but it can be like things that happen if you're weak or just have less stresses. But sometimes people say, okay, you know, I'm strong. I'm going to follow the American work ethic, pull myself up by the bootstraps, and just say, I'm going to tough it out and do it. But that doesn't really honor God either because it's self-sufficient. And Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So we're continually um, needing to be choosing to look to God in prayer. Um, Lee and Ryan, if you guys would come up now, I'm going to do an object lesson to show you the way that we naturally handle our responsibilities and stresses of life. And then um, after that, show you how God, how God says he wants us to handle them. Okay, so Ryan here is life. <laughs> he signifies life. And he's going to hand me in a second here different things that life hands to you. And I'm, I'm a human. I'm Grant. And then this is God right here with his backpack on. <laughs> he's, really, he's really strong. <laughs> okay, so life, I'm going to, I'm like eight years old and I'm starting to encounter life. So you can hand me stuff. Okay, this is a spelling book. This is my daughter's school book. So this is school. Kids have to go to school, and there can be stresses there with kids and homework and things. And then you get a little bit older, and you go to college, or you go to work, and you start getting more responsibilities. So what we do, we tend to just, like, build them up. Okay, I got to do this. Okay, now I'm in college, so, like, got more responsibilities. Then we graduate college, or we start getting our student loan bills, and we have a lot of bills. And then... 
as it goes, we can get more and more, and then they can start stressing us out if we're not careful. And we're like, okay, i got to handle that. So now I have less time to watch TV or whatever in the evening because I have to you know, pay my bills and have to work a little more. And then this is a calendar. This is our family calendar that has birth dates and stuff. So the older we get, the more our calendar fills up. It just gets busier and busier. And a lot of things are good things and fun things, but there's still things that take a lot of um, attention and can stress you out at times or make you tired. And then what happens is you get married. I remember when I got married, like people would ask me, and be like, hey, Grant, can you do this? And I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm married. I got to ask my wife. <laughs> I can't just plan my own schedule, like spur of the moment. I got to talk to my day planner. So, so we get married. And then things start getting heavy. Like this is actually, that's my old laptop, so it's heavy. So I got to put it on my shoulders. And then what happens is you have kids. And I remember I thought my life got a little busier when I got married, but once I had kids, then I'm like, wow, like you really got a plan. Then I had my second kid, and it got even busier. And then now they're starting to want to do things out of the house. They don't just crawl around and play with toys. They're like, can we go to the mall? Can we go to Shields? So this is like soccer practice. And then what happens is sometimes we can even get day-to-day sicknesses, or our kids can, or we can get chronic illness, which is sad because I know many people going through that. And not only is that painful, but a lot of times some people even have to continue with their everyday activities and somehow get through in spite, of, in spite of what they're going through. And then this picture right here signifies loved ones, signifies any type of pain that comes from a loved one. This is my picture, a picture of Graceland, my niece, and she died a week before her. She would have been four months um, to my brother and sister-in-law. So this picture signifies different pains that come from family, whether it's a loss of a spouse or unexpected loss of a child, or even if you're desiring to have children and not able to, just all the different things that different ones of us experience in different circumstances. So what we can tend to do then is just, what we tend to do then is we just think we have to carry all these burdens. Thanks, life. (laughs) That we think we just have to carry all these burdens on our own, but the way the Bible says, and I found too that my natural tendency is, because I'm fairly high energy, is the more I get on my plate, I just try harder. I'm like, I got to like strategize better. I got to read a book by a Fortune 500 um, CEO about how to manage your schedule, and God wants us to walk in wisdom. There's nothing wrong with you know, tapping other people's brains who are good with things, but what I found is I think the more responsibilities I have, that I just got to try harder. And God, what God says, the biblical way, is to actually handle those things with prayer. So you want to hand me the soccer ball? Life, thanks. So, um, so this is like, this just signifies activities like soccer practice. And what I found is a lot of times if I'm encountering smaller things, I, like, I look at something and evaluate something. I'm like, okay, this is smaller I don't necessarily need to pray about this. I'll just, um, I'll just plan it out myself. Maybe if it gets stressful, I'll, I'll pray about it. But we need to give even small things to God. There you go. <laughs> and um, you want to give me, actually, here. Laptop. Thanks. 
And so this, it'll signify loss of a job this time. So let's say we lose our job or having like a lot of stresses at work. A lot of times what we'll do then is we will pray about bigger things. But the thing is, is I've learned that trust has to start all over again every day. If you're anxious or worried about something and you give it to God, it doesn't necessarily just go away. It might actually come back five minutes later. So literally, it's a continual um, process of saying every moment, every hour, every day, I'm going to have to give this to God. So even if you're facing like a bigger stress, it's something you still need to pray about every day and remind yourself to pray and not just try to do it in your own understanding. And here, I'll give you kids too, God. This is... <laughs> Here, I get, I'll pray for them and do my best, but I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately going to give everything to you, God. I'm every day in prayer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now I'm going to talk about you some more up here, God. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yep, see, so then he's going he's gonna to carry, carry it for us. This is how God wants us to handle prayer. Okay, thank you, guys. <laughs> so if you would pull up Psalm 55, 22 on the PowerPoint... So this is one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. It says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. So we're to focus it towards God. Cast it on the Lord first before we go to people or anything else. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be shaken. What's cool is anytime you see all capitals for Lord, it's translating the Hebrew word Yahweh, which means the God who is present or the God who will be present. And it's actually Lord, the way we translate it, looks like a noun, but it's actually a verb. It means he who is present or he who will be present. So it's saying, cast your burden on he who is present. It's God's special name. It's used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And he will sustain you. So every time life hands you something, the way to handle it, the way God wants us to handle it, is to take it and pray about it, but not let it weigh you down. Don't put it in your backpack. Just give it to God. Give it to God. What's really cool is the word we translate burden in Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament is written in that word we translate burden it literally means lot like the lot you've been given or it means what is given it's like what god has given you and so what's interesting about that is it's saying that god chooses in his sovereign wisdom which i don't i don't understand it all but the bible says it's true god chooses in his sovereign wisdom to give different people different circumstances and experiences. I don't know, like, I don't understand why some people, like, suffer, like, so much more than what I've gone through. It's not, it's not that they're better or worse than me. For some reason, God in his, in his wisdom and love has chosen to give certain people circumstances, but it says that he's, he's custom-made our life for us, and we can rest in that even if we don't understand that. So what he's saying here is cast what God has given you 
is an individual. Cast what God has given you in your individual life on the Lord, on the Lord, and he will sustain you. So I've come rather, I've, it's, and I don't always do it, but I've come to see that the way we should handle the day-to-day stresses is view them as an opportunity for intimacy with God. Because God doesn't want to be a God that we just come to when we're in trouble. I remember in high school, I believed in God, but I didn't walk real close with God. And so I would mostly just pray when I was on the free throw line and we were tied, the game was tied. But I remember I went to college, and I loved my parents, but I would get real busy sometimes. And so I would just, I would sometimes come by if I needed something. And I felt bad. I'm like, Mom, like, Dad, I, I love you. I've just been real busy. We'd talk on the phone some, but I just had to come by because I need something. And I always would feel bad if I had to do that because I'd, like, I don't want them to think I'd just, like, come to them when I need something because they're my parents and we have a relationship. And I, like, doing fun stuff, like going out to eat and things with them. And I really think that God wants us to develop a life where we're just in constant communion with him. We're like, we give thanks to him. Like, I think it's neat, he says, with thanksgiving in Psalm, or in Philippians um, 4, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what I found is helpful about thanksgiving is I tend to look at the road ahead of me and see different problems that I think I might encounter instead of looking at my rearview mirror. And if I take the time to look in my rearview mirror, just last week I was thinking about like a car wreck, a real bad car wreck that I was almost in that God like saved me and just like financial provision and how he provided my wife at just the right time, just all these different things. I'm like, wow, God, like, this is neat. We have a, and I just had the spirit of thankfulness well up in me, whereas if we just look ahead, I think we tend to worry, and it's basically, it's like we're worrying that God's not going to be there, but if we take time to give thanks, then we start thinking of all the wonderful things he's given us. I've traveled to India and been in the world's largest slum, and I'm to be like, wow, just because we have food, like, we're more blessed than most of the countries in the world. Um, I want to read you a quote that has helped me a lot by Elizabeth Elliot. Her husband and some other guys got killed when they landed a plane as missionaries in South America, and then her and her young daughter and another of the widows or two went in with their orphan kids, and they they led this whole tribe to Christ. So she did something scary. I don't know that I would have been that brave. But she had a lot of trust in God for the future. And she wrote, Fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. Fear arises when, this is the key word, imagine that everything depends on us. And often when I get stressed out, I imagine that everything depends on me. I just have to come up with a good plan for this week, how to juggle my schedule. But then I can start getting stressed, especially if a kid wakes up during the night and I start having to then tackle my schedule, like being sleep-deprived and the different things that happen in life that kind of throw a little kink in it. I can get more and more wound up. But what God says to do, the way to counter that is through thanksgiving. Stop and say, God, like, 
I've seen you do so many things in the past that I just want to take time and give thanks for what you've done. And then the promises that the peace of God, God will give us the peace, the peace of God, which is beyond understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And if we could go back to that verse in Philippians. Um, so we'll read verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. The word translated minds could also be translated thoughts. Will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, if we do that, if we handle life with prayer, instead of taking things from life and putting it in our backpack, if we cast what's been given on the Lord and we do it with a thankful heart, taking time to stop and give thanks, that the reward will be God's peace and it will guard our hearts and mind. And what's interesting is that word translated guard, it's actually a military term for a military guard that watches over someone or watches over a door and doesn't let them escape. So, and Paul wrote Philippians in prison. He was in prison for the gospel. And so when he used that word, he knew exactly what a guard was because he was being guarded. So he's saying our minds tend to travel down the path of anxiety and self-reliance when we encounter the different things that life hands us. But what we need to do, the way to guard against that is when we do experience anxiety, is intentionally say, okay, God, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray. Instead of letting my anxieties carry me away or my self-reliance start planning first, just find a plan. I'm first going to handle it with prayer. It can be like a five-second prayer, but I'm first going to handle this with prayer. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the way that God wants us to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I just want to look at a couple, couple applications real quick that have, that have helped me um, over the years. I'll give you a few examples first of things you could pray about. I have a friend, Jack, who works... My friend Jack works a job that takes a lot of mechanical aptitude, and he's always having to encounter situations with work where he really has to think on his feet. And he said that he keeps getting promotions, one promotion after another, and he says, you know what I do? All I do when I get in a situation that like, is hard, like I'm just like processing, how am I going to like do this? He says, I've just started like trusting what God's word says, that we just should pray for wisdom. It says to ask for wisdom in James 1. I just ask him for wisdom, and he just gives me wisdom. <laughs> so I found that with me, it helps just to intentionally discipline ourselves to say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I might not feel like it, but I'm going to trust God at his word that if I ask for wisdom, I will, I, he will give it to me. Probably... One of the most powerful things I've ever heard on prayer was from a guy who's a real prayer warrior who I respect, Shane Eidelman. And he says, prayer isn't easy, it's essential. Prayer isn't easy, it's essential. And so I found, like, I will, if I'm training for, like, a half marathon or something, I only feel like running half the time. Half the time, I don't. 
But I know that if I'm going to be in shape by race day, I have to run. And I remember, like, when we our kids were newborns, we'd have to get up during the night, especially my wife. And let me tell you, we never felt like getting up. You just don't feel like getting up at 2 in the morning. But you do it because you know that it's more important. Your child is more valuable than your sleep. So there's all sorts of things. Like, if we just went to work when we felt like it, we'd get, like, fired in a week. So we have all these things that we know are important that we intentionally do even though they don't necessarily feel good at the moment. So what I've learned is just say, okay, just going to make up my mind to pray. It's just like brushing your teeth. You do. I don't feel like brushing my teeth half the time, but I'm going to trust God. And a lot of times I don't actually feel any great feeling when I start praying, but I've found if I can get like to that three to five to ten minute mark, and a lot of times I don't, it's not like I pray for hours, but if I can just like pray to a certain point, then all of a sudden, and I don't even understand how it happens, I just start having this peace, this peace that settles over me. My mom said that the greatest thing she's learned about prayer is that when she just gives things to God, um, just praying gives her peace because she's like, okay, now it's off my chest. It's almost like journaling or something. You just get things off your chest. She said, if I can just tell God the things I'm anxious about or worried about, it doesn't necessarily go away, but I just, it's like cathartic. I just feel like, oh, oh now that's off my chest. Now God has it, so it's up to him how he how he wants to handle it. So I'll just give you a couple, a few examples of how you can handle, of how you can handle life. Um, make a worry list. Whether, whether you write it down or you just do it in your mind, the way I've been doing it is in the morning I say, okay, God, it's not always things that I'm even worried about at the moment, but it's anything you're going to encounter in that day. Either make a mental inventory or write down a little list on a post-it note or in your journal. Say, okay, God, today I'm going to need wisdom at work because i got to do um, this surgery or do, do this or go um, handle this situation or this or that. Like, I'm going to need wisdom, God. Just please give me wisdom. And um, I need wisdom for disciplining and um, directing my kid because this kid's been really challenging. Um, and I'm anxious about so-and-so's health. And just go through everything that you think is going to be on your radar that day, whether it stresses you out or it's something that if God showed up in person, he said, okay, look at my muscles, I'm here to help you. Whatever you want, you'd say, oh yeah, man, help me, help me. So just, and God is real, even though we can't see him, we walk by faith, not by sight. He is there. So anything you need help with in the day or anything you might worry, just stop. And it's amazing, like, I'll pray sometimes just for like three to five minutes, and I'm like, wow, I just like covered everything in five minutes that I am going to encounter today. And yet I can spend like half an hour during the day with my mind wandering or getting like tied up in knots, figuring out how I'm going to do stuff. So be intentional on the front end um, to pray and make a worry list. Pray through it in the morning before you encounter the worries of the day. And then another thing is have a specific time in place. It's good to just pray. I call them just bullet prayers during the day where you just shoot up a quick prayer to God. It's cool. We can do it at work or while we're driving. But I found that the way to really foster a good prayer life is to have specific times. Like, I wouldn't have a healthy relationship with my wife if I only, like, 
said hi and bye on the go, like you see some TV shows are like hi in the morning and or bye in the morning, hi at night. But you got to have like date nights or weekends or go out to eat, so you actually have time with your wife. And prayer is the same thing. You got to plan like specific time and place. Um, my grandma, she she ended up getting a time and place, but she had to first have something really tough happen to her. My um my Uncle Mark, he got into drugs and drinking really hard um, when he was 15 all the way to when he was 19. And so she determined that what she was going to do rather than nag him is just, is just pray. And so she just started praying like crazy. And her bedroom was above him, so he would come home at night really late and he would be drunk. And she would hear him stumbling up the stairs. And she said, I'm just going to pray and pray for my son Scott. She prayed, God, please help him get rid of, um, or help him just come to the point where he's just sick and tired of the garbage. And four years later, when he was 19, he went to a place called the Agape House, and he finally, he was there only three days, and they would do Bible study and prayer, and he came forward and said, I, I'm just sick and tired of the garbage. <laughs> and he prayed the exact same thing that she'd been praying for him, and she never even and he never even knew what she'd been praying. But she, from that point on then, until she was, um, she died in her 80s, then she started praying every morning and every night. So that stress became like the catalyst to her prayer life, and then she started praying every morning and every night for the family. And you could call her and say, Grandma, please pray for this, and she would pray, pray for it. Um, is there a picture of my grandma's prayer bench? It's like... Every time I see this picture, I get emotional because she, like, enters. There's my brother at war, like, over in Iraq. So many things, like, I think she prayed us, prayed us through so many. There's so many stories, like, at her funeral. It was just, it was crazy. But after that point, she made a specific time and place um, till the day she died. And then another thing is just ask friends to pray. Ask friends to pray for you. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. So I have a few friends who I'll just text and ask them to pray for things, and they'll do the same things. So God wants us as a church to walk in community, walk in community. And then the last thing is, say, just don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus told a lot of parables, which were stories that he made up involving real people or involving real life circumstances that would illustrate a spiritual truth and normally Jesus would just tell the parables but there's just a few parables where before the parable is given like the author of the gospel actually tells the reason Jesus told the parable so Luke 18 1 through 8 is one of my one of my favorite um, teachings on prayer so we'll close with this. I want to read you Luke 18, 1 through 8. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Because I think our natural tendency is to pray for a day or two or a week or two, and if we don't see an answer right away, we'll lose heart. But God doesn't want us to knock once or knock twice. He wants us to be persistent until until we get the answer. Like my grandma, it took her four years before my um, uncle Scott changed. So he told them this parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge 
who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while the judge refused, but afterward he said, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not wear me out by her continual coming. And Jesus said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's referring to himself as the Son of Man. He's going to come again, his second coming. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That challenges me every time I hear that. I'm like, when Christ comes back, if I'm still alive, will he find that I have faith to actually believe his promises, that if I pray, he will answer, that if I pray with, pray with thanksgiving, that he will give me the peace that passes understanding. So I just want to close us in prayer. Dear Father, thanks that we're not left to walk through this life alone, that even though you don't promise us that things will be easy, that you do promise us the peace of your presence. But it is conditional to a degree. It says that we experience the peace that surpasses our understanding if we pray and are not anxious about anything. So I pray that you just give us supernatural strength through your spirit this week, God, to intentionally just make up our minds to pray about our stresses. Just help us to make up our mind and be intentional about praying um, and just and keep track of your answers and share with those share with others the amazing answers to prayer so that you can you can get famous in our lives and other people can see what a good father you are in Jesus name I pray amen would you please stand and let's close